0: I'm guest host Dave McIver and this is Football North. The CFL season is winding down and the playoff races are heating up. Third place in the East is still up for grabs. The battle between the Hamilton Thai Cats and the crossover hopeful Saskatchewan Rough Riders is shaping up with a game this week. The Calgary Stampeders are trying to chase down the BC Lions for second in the West and a home playoff date at McMahon Stadium. And maybe the most intriguing race is for first place in the East. The Montreal Alouettes in first place Toronto Argonauts are separated by just two points and they will play not once, but twice in the last four weeks of the season, and they just happen to be the final two games of the year. So much to play for as we enter the final four weeks of the season. But we will start today with what ended yesterday, the trade deadline in the CFL. Let's welcome in Derek Taylor, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and Dave Campbell, color commentator for the Edmonton Elks. DT, Dave, how we doing, fellas? Doing great. I think like work- we're... Yeah, all good. Awesome. So uh, obviously, uh, we'll touch on some playoff races here in a second. Uh, maybe talk about uh, what some teams who are maybe out of the playoff race, their plan for the future. But it was CFL trade deadline day yesterday.
1: Sorry, I just yawned when you said trade deadline. So. Oh, that's Excuse
0: me. we can me. It's, <laughs> uh, now. I don't have to find that sound effect, Dave. Uh, that works perfect. But uh, <laughs> let's start with you, Derek. It's another quiet day as always, uh, except the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They made a move the day before the deadline, bringing. Back Alden Darby in exchange for Cedric Wilcotts the second, but since it was the only move, uh, what what are your thoughts on the deal, DT?
2: I think well, I like it for the Bombers in that one. It fits exactly what they what they're all about, right? They like veterans and they like guys that they know, and Alden Darby is both. He was with a, a great cap winning team last year, got away in free agency, and uh, now he's back. They have to give up a piece they, they kind of like in Cedric Wilcotts, the the young defensive end, but it perfectly within what they do they they're the injuries are catching up to the bombers like i know they're 13 and 2 and they're on a phenomenal start but man they've lost what 75 man games to injury for starters which is a huge enormous number they're they're young on the field side um they're i mean they're young at a will line Ly- oh, sorry sam linebacker as well all the garbage a guy who can do just about any of that he was Boundary half in Hamilton. He was field corner. He was depth at that Sam linebacker spot. He can do just about anything in this Bombers defense. So they, they keep adding in Hamilton Tiger Cats defensive backs and and you know making himself just a little bit stronger as it goes along. Which when you're on your third weak side linebacker and you've been through three four safeties and stuff, you, you start to go okay, this is this is rough, but uh, the only way to get the title is to fight through these injury problems.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, they're starting to look like uh, the Calgary Stampeders did at the at the beginning of the year and midway through with how many man games they're losing. But, Dave, I wonder how we can maybe spice up the CFL trade deadline a little bit. I don't think a nine-team league will, will ever have a huge trade deadline that creates a, a ton of buzz. But I think if maybe you moved it up a few weeks, you could create some buzz around the league and the day and the days leading up because... I think if, if more teams are, are still in the hunt to make the playoffs, maybe we have a, a few more deals or, or am I way off base?
1: Yeah, I think I think there's there's a lot of uh desire just to see more of a you know, kind of a bang to to the day, more bang for your buck kind of day. And you know, we thank the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for always providing <laughs> some sort of news and I mean none better than twenty nineteen when they acquired Zach Galero's uh and uh, he was a big part of why they won the Grey Cup. And, of course, they won two in a row. Um, I think football operations departments um, really kind of dictate what go on. And I, I don't know if they would like to see um, a, a trade deadline moved up. I think there's a reason why it's where it is. It kind of detracts teams from making the you know the, the, the move that – You know, could put them over the top. Although, again, you do see it. We saw it three years ago. So, I I think they're pretty content with where it is. It's hard to make trades (laughs) in the league anyway, just because of you know, you don't know really what a person's value is really. And you know, I I know Chris Jones has been pretty active in the trade market this year, trying (laughs) to pick up uh, picks from for twenty twenty three, which he calls a, a very deep draft. So. Um, but you know he trades David Beard for a second-round pick uh, with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and you know Thomas get in the feast line get traded for you know a couple you know middle-round picks uh, or middle-round pick and a player you know a couple days prior. So you know I think I think value of a trade is is very hard to determine in, in the Canadian Football League, and um, and I think teams are you know I think for you know you know you look at. Chris Jones's perspective you know, for with the Elks, I think you know for him I mean he, was, he just wants to have a lineup now that he feels that he can kind of ride with and grow with and and uh, look to 2023 for for a lot of uh, you know the, the remainder of 2022 so uh but you know around the league I think uh you know I think it would be more advantageous to move it up and for some reason just uh, the league just feels fine to have it with 3 weeks left like I'm not sure when it is in the NFL, but I think it's a lot earlier than than, uh, than what we see in the, in the CFL. Like I've seen, what week six, week seven, week eight trade trade deadlines, and there's not much that happens down there either. So uh, football trades are just hard to make, and uh, unless you have a specific need and a specific want, and again, I go back to Chris Jones wanting draft picks, and that's why he's made so many deals this year to try and. Uh, stock up for what he calls a deep draft in 2023. So I think measuring value in a trade is, uh, is kind of like a case by case basis. When you look at the, you know, you look at the Canadian football league.
0: Derek, you got any thoughts on this one? Well, I think that
2: GMs are scared of the scared of their own potential to make a mistake. I think they're just terrified. Like this thought that a GM uh, will immediately eliminate half his potential trade partners because they're in the same division it doesn't make sense in any sport to me. Like, if you don't think a player is good, like, okay, let's put it this way, who goes into a trade thinking we're not getting the best of this trade, right? Like, we're either getting, you know, the CFL, we're getting better players or we're getting better draft picks and we're getting better in the future. Oh, so there's a spot where like, Kevin Glenn can't be traded within his own division. We have to trade him to the east so they can trade him back to the west. So Zach Kolaris, I mean, Zach's were two separate trades, but there was, was, was there really a chance that Saskatchewan was ever going to trade him directly to Winnipeg? No. But so I think GMs just need to get over that and just go, hey, this trade will make us better. I don't care if it's Calgary to Edmonton or or Edmonton to BC and that I, this guy may you know come back to, to us. Like, uh, what, what are we doing here? Like, have some confidence in your own ability to make a deal and to evaluate players at what's the best for your team. Uh, the second part of this for me is, now that we're getting these longer contracts, I think we're going to start seeing more potential deadline deals in the future. You'll have guys, Malik Henry in Calgary just signed through 2025. If things aren't going amazing, if somehow Calgary, you know, doesn't win double digit games for the first time since I was two years old, right. Uh, you know, in a couple of years from now, Malik Henry, a guy who's, you know, been paid most of his contract at a late point in the season. Maybe that's a guy who's got potential for uh, for a move just because, He's got some term left that might appeal to a team acquiring him and he wouldn't have a huge cost for the remainder of that season. It's 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 on the GMs, and I think we're probably going to see a few more of those just with the way deals are going to be structured for the big-time players from now on. Well,
0: and I think that's a good thing to see because one of the big complaints, obviously, about the league in the past years is the turnover on each roster, the inability for fans to fall in love with a guy who's in a city for four, five, six years. So that's a good thing. Uh, Let's talk about the stretch drive, and and that's obviously the title of this podcast, uh, fellas. Um, Derek, we'll start with you. I think we all know the Blue Bombers are are most likely going to wrap up first place in the West here, if not this week. It will be coming in 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 the weeks following. But the stretch drive does look a little weird for the Bombers, doesn't it? Because they do have a weird finish. We've seen it here in Calgary before. by week in Week 20, then they play BC in Week 21, a game that could possibly mean nothing for both both teams, and then they will most likely have a bye in the first round of the playoffs. So how do you think the, the Bombers are going to handle that?
2: Well, I think uh, it depends on what will happen. They'll, they'll beat Edmonton this week would be the assumption, right? The betters would all say hey, they're going to beat Edmonton this week. They'll be on 14 wins, and, and that could ultimately be, uh, be enough. Uh, they may not need to win it in, in BC the, the next week, but they they'll probably they'll probably still mean something. So they'll start to have some options, right? Do you take everybody for that game in Vancouver? Uh, and you know, There's a chance to go, hey, you know what? We're just going to leave some of these starters back at home, as many as the salary cap can handle. And then that final week, if that game in Winnipeg in week 21 doesn't mean anything, I think they'll just do exactly what they did last year is, here's our starters, here's a few snaps for you guys, uh, hit the bench, we'll, we'll get out of this one, and we'll get to the playoffs. Uh, the interesting part is, it was always the debate in Calgary, right, of, hey, they've got so much time off, they've got no meaning, meaningful games, and then they've got to buy until the West Final. How, how sharp are they going to look? In their first playoff game last year, the Bombers' offense did not look sharp at all, right? They turned the ball over five times in a cold and Freezing and windy first first half against Saskatchewan in the West Final last year. So, is th- is there anything to that? Of, hey, that bye week really does kind of mess with teams at the at the uh, end of the season because we have certainly have the anecdotal evidence to go. Ooh, we re- need to really find a way to make sure we're sharp in that West Final because it's bitten some teams in the last couple of years. So, yeah, but they're going to prioritize rest. They may well have one of their starters, Derek, De- uh, not Derek Dennis, Stanley Bryant resting this weekend for the game against Edmonton. We'll see how that plays out. But uh, rest will definitely, and injury prevention will become a priority for the Bombers.
0: Yeah, I like that they have uh, the, the, the game in the last week of the season, right, Derek? Because um, yeah. I, I want to say it was Calgary uh, a few years ago, 2016, maybe 2017, where they actually had the bye in the last week of the year and then they had the bye. So they were off for like two weeks. Dave, Edmonton's a, a bit of a different story, I'd say, as they head into their final uh, few weeks of the year. But, uh, you know, they still have a chance. Uh, they'll try and avoid a loss this week and hope Hamilton gets by Saskatchewan. But how does Edmonton handle the last few weeks? Is it simply as getting that first win at home is the biggest priority for them?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's just, it's just racking up wins. And they only have three games left. So you only have three opportunities, and they have two games at home, as you mentioned, so there's a chance to break that horrific streak. But I think it's twofold. I mean, Chris Jones is always very good at looking at the present. So he's not focused on anything this week other than trying to go to Winnipeg and, and, and find a way to win against the Blue Bombers. But obviously with the year being how you know how it's going, and I think even at the start of the year, I don't think there was any delusions about what this team was, you know, was going to be like it was going to be a a struggle now we the thing about a year when you go into a when when you know you're going to struggle is I mean there's no acceptable line of oh this is the this is an acceptable amount of struggle for this season no one says that right so you go into the year and you're like okay well we'll we'll just see what happens so um, they've won four games they've been blasted in four games they've had seven other games where they've had a chance to win and you're not going to win all of them, but if they win three or four of them, then they're probably in the playoffs in the East. So, um, But really, it's about growth. It's about opportunity for a lot of players. They have a lot of inexperience in their lineup, but I would say a mixture of inexperience and experience. Their injured list has not been kind to them this year. They lose Kenny Lawler again for the season with, uh, with that collarbone injury, which, uh, which uh, under, he underwent surgery right after the injury. Um, and, you know, there's going to be a lot of decisions to make in the offseason. But, you know, they're, they're, the, the goal for Chris Jones and assistant GM G Roy Simon is to find a core, is to find a group of players that they can rally or not rally around, but just, just build around that core. And that's so important in a year like this is, you know, in, in a year of losing, um, you have to find and identify players that you go, OK, this is the group that's going to be my core group. That I can build around, and we're going to grow with this group. So, um, you know, as far as the playoff picture is concerned, it, it could all be decided for them before they even kick off on Saturday. And you know, if they have an opportunity, they're going to, you know, they're, you know, if they're still alive and they'll be alive by the, the thinnest of the margins, uh, I would expect this team to show up and 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 to battle well. And you know, their the problem is is you know, I look at the Bombers and the Elks and I I look at them as, as they play kind of the same way stylistically is that they don't mind low event games. They don't mind like kind of hanging around, hanging around and, you know, then the fourth quarter comes and the Bombers find a way to take over a game and the Elks find a way to lose a game. So it'll be an interesting matchup on Saturday, but yeah, I think it's twofold. It's, you know, obviously if they're alive, they, you know, if you still have a chance, you know, you're going to, you're going to play until your last breath. And if they, and if and regardless of results on Friday in Hamilton, uh, this is a lot about 2023, as it's been a lot about 2023 this year.
0: Hey, we know here in Calgary what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers can do in the fourth quarter to teams. Trust me, we have seen it about three times this year, Dave, so uh, that wouldn't <laughs> surprise me. And DT knows it well uh, as well. So we do actually, though, fellas, we have, let's say, three realistic playoff races in terms of who's going to make it, uh, positioning and whatnot. Uh, Let's touch the first one and that is Saskatchewan and Hamilton. And I think this one could be pretty entertaining down the stretch. The the two teams will play tomorrow at at 5.30 uh, Mountain Time, I should say. And then Hamilton gets Calgary. Hamilton gets their final two games against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Then you look at the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Of course, they'll play Hamilton this week. Then next week, they have a bye and then their final two games are against the Calgary Stampeders. So, DT, can the Hamilton Cats catch the Saskatchewan Rough Riders or Saskatchewan crossing over?
2: Oh, I, I think they absolutely can. It's, it's very clear it's in Hamilton's court right now, right, even on the fact that they are two wins behind. Like, the schedule just breaks better. Uh, there's the potential that Calgary could have something to play for in that final week. Uh, it's not by no means guaranteed as they've already lost the tiebreaker to BC, but there's possible Calgary needs to win that final game instead of having a chance to to rest. So it, it's possible, but I, I just I'm trying to think who's going to win the game this week between <laughs> Hamilton and Stamps because both teams have had. I mean, I thought Hamilton was going to be good, dependent on its quarterback. I thought they had talent in a lot of spots. Uh, I I thought perhaps a little weak in the offensive line with the losses and stuff, and. I thought their defense was going to be rock solid, but injuries and whatever on earth happened back there, uh, it, it just it just hasn't been. Uh, Saskatchewan, I thought, would regress, but I just thought they'd be at least you know passively able to protect the quarterback, and they absolutely have not. So I just, I don't know, because these are two teams that have flashed at points this season, uh, but ultimately they just kind of fall back to exactly what they've been all year long, which is m- mediocre to at times worse than that. So it, it's absolutely possible. Hamilton gets in. Uh, I mean, it gets absolutely matched by Montreal in the, uh, in the East semifinal. But uh, yeah, I don't even know. I don't care. Which one would I pick? I don't even know which one of these teams <laughs> I think is any better than the other, because neither of them looked good in the games against the, the, well, I think Hamilton looked really good. In that one game against the bombers. Let's be
1: fair. Yeah, yeah. this is uh this is a, a very intriguing matchup just because you have two teams that are, you know, not very good. Um, you know, one team that is what won two of their last, was it eight games or 10 games? Um, I mean, the Elks have more wins in that time. than the <laughs> so, you know, like, like, uh, It's weird. What's happening in, in, in Saskatchewan. And guys, I just want to just bring this up. When we talk about Cody Fajardo, it feels like to me that, Craig Dickinson and, and maybe Jeremy O'Day are kind of looking around Cody Fajardo and going, wow, there's Bo Levi Mitchell that will be available in <laughs> the agency. Wow. Yeah, Cody, I, I understand. Yeah, okay, we'll talk to you in a minute there. But it's, you know, or it's like that, that meme where, you know, the guy's walking with his girlfriend and sees the other girl and goes, ooh, you know. Um, I, is this the ultimate throw Cody under the bus exercise I've ever seen? Like, they're finding every reason to, to – to say that he's not playing very well. And I'm going, he's actually playing not as bad as you think. Um, I Agreed. think the Riders should wrap it up. I think they should find a way. But you go into the game on Friday in Hamilton, and you have no idea what's going to happen. You know, Hamilton I don't think is very good, but they're on home field. Um, Derek knows what they did two weeks ago. You just never know. I mean, Dane Evans is, is a very interesting case study this year, you know, along with Cody Fitzgerald to, to a, a certain degree. But it's just two struggling football teams that are, you know, finding ways to lose that aren't overly confident. And it'll be interesting to see what happens in the fourth quarter with these two teams to to see, you know, who wants it more. So, but I would think the Riders should have the better lineup and and the better, you know, just just, just the better path to to the playoffs because I think they're a better team than, than the Ticats, which hasn't really mattered over the last number of weeks. So, um yeah, this is I, I would say Saskatchewan, but I would not be surprised at all if Hamilton finds a way to sneak up and, and take that spot.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I can't believe. Well, I, I shouldn't say I can't believe. I can believe the heat Cody Fajardo's taking in Saskatchewan from the fans because it's Saskatchewan, but they are still a playoff team. And, and I'm with you guys. I don't think he's been as bad as he's been made out to be. I don't think he's been great, but uh, there's certainly uh, some talent there with Cody Fajardo. And you know, obviously, the injury this year has has hampered his the best part of his game, which is his ability to move around and, and run the football, which he just hasn't been able to do as much. Uh, this next one, guys, is, is the most intriguing for me, and I might get in trouble for that saying uh, saying that coming out of Calgary. But the Toronto and Montreal race for the East Division is uh, is really shaping up here because Toronto is in, and and Montreal is trying to clinch a home playoff date. But it's not crazy to think that the Alouettes can catch the Argos. Looking at the schedule, uh, Montreal has Ottawa twice and then Toronto twice. And you look at things for the Argos, uh, this week they'll play in BC, then they head to Edmonton, and then, of course, they'll play their last two games against the Alouettes. So, uh, Dave, uh, this is shaping up to be the one that can really stand out.
1: This could be the best race of, of every race we're seeing right now, you know, as far as... Uh, you know, second in the last, and you know the crossover spot, third in the East. But this this one to me is 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 potentially setting up to be a spectacular finish for first in the East. I'll tell you, the Argos are having bad things happen to them at the wrong time. They're losing quality defenders, and with with McManus, and Shane Ray, um, McLeod Bethel Thompson. Is someone that is a frustrating quarterback to watch. He can do great things, <laughs> and you know he's kind of like uh, you know I, I've heard this description about Taylor Cornelius, uh, Derek Taylor's all-time favorite quarterback. Um, <laughs> yes, but, and I think just <laughs> I think this applies to McLeod Bethel Thompson. His highs are so high. Let's see, first down, going to throw Bethel Thompson touchdown Argos and his lows are so low passing here Bethel Thompson oh it's intercepted this one is a pick and a big one for Darius Williams who will take it back all the way touchdown Alouette he can't find that middle ground that cruising altitude that you just play efficient enough to win games you know, it's kind of like goaltending in the NHL. You don't need to be spectacular. Don't be crappy. Just make the saves you're supposed to make, okay? And that's, and that's all, we're, all we're asking of you. But with McLeod-Bethel-Thompson, you don't know what you're going to get. You're going to get great McLeod. You're going to get lousy McLeod. But here come the Montreal OS, the hottest team in the league. Everyone thought Danny Machocha was a complete fool for uh, dismissing Kahari Jones. And there might be some shadiness around that or some question marks around that even today. He said discipline's an issue. Well, it didn't look that way. Yeah, that Anything happened in the positive, uh, in the positive uh, arrow with Danny Machocha as the interim head coach with discipline. Now it is. Now their defense under Joel, uh, Nolthorpe is playing lights out. Trevor Harris is playing uh, efficiently. And it, a lot of it's only to Eugene Lewis, but hey, you, you can't... You, can't stop it you can't stop it
2: now knocking on the door for a little bit more harris looks to the end zone lewis one hole oh! Oh, no. get out
1: of here Didn't. eugene lewis makes it look so easy then they're getting william stan back uh back in their lineup and their special teams are good i'm telling you the alouettes everyone else who's going to make the playoffs better look at montreal and stand up and take notice this team could be a legit threat to get to the Grey Cup and possibly win. Now, the team in Winnipeg is pretty good. I will say, <laughs> uh, will say that. Uh, of course, of course. But you know what? There's something about this league that is lightning in a bottle, and the Alouettes are, are playing the best football of anyone right now in the Canadian Football League.
0: DT?
2: The best football of anybody in the Canadian Football League. I... I... I can pro- I can almost get women, baby. My- W's. That's what I'm impressed. I, I, I feel it. Montreal is really good, right? In Montreal, like, let's. I mean, late season additions to put Jamal Davis back into that defensive end rotation this late in the yeah. season, getting it back in the NFL to add to Mike Moore, to add to Nick Usher, to add to Almonte Sewell in the interior, and Thomas Costigan, and give it some extra. Like that's. Uh, that's a defense that you know they love to the blitz, right? They're The only team with a blitz rate of about fifty percent. They're going to attack and attack, and, and it got the, it almost it bamboozled the bombers, you know, in two games and got one win out of them. So I, I'm with you. Um, it's going to come down to the to the Trevor Harris factor, and honestly, it, it's going to come back to uh, if William Standback comes back. What does their offense look like? Because their offense has been running the football as effectively as if William Standback has been there, they just haven't been doing it as often. So if Stanback comes back and he, you know, they go back to, Hey, let's get five and a half yards to carry uh, your offense is going to go in the toilet. Although that sounds counterintuitive. You need to be hucking the ball around to Gino Lewis and Reggie White and, and the gang, and you need to get, well, uh, okay, Cam, on Grant to let's extend, but Herjie Allen needs some targets. I, I like, the, I like a lot of what that Montreal team has to offer. Uh, and I, I, I was just charting out the Toronto calendar game last night, and I'm like, I don't even know what this Cardinals team is. I honestly don't know. <laughs> for the reasons Dave said, like McLeod Bethel-Thompson is exactly what Dave said he was. He's he's Cornelius with a little better ball protection and a lot less in the scramble game. So it's 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 super it, – Toronto's a super frustrating team, and losing Shane Ray for the year, yikes. Who's who's going to help generate pressure on the quarterback with that? Uh, Ja'Gara Davis and Sean Oakman uh, and, and company. So, yeah, the, that race is going to be a lot of fun. I don't think either of those teams, when it comes to a Grey Cup, be it Winnipeg or Calgary, honestly, are the two teams I think have a chance, realistic chance, to come out of the West. Whichever one of those two, they're going to be a touchdown favorite in the Grey Cup, if not more, in my mind, just because uh, I just think there's a, there's a gulp in class between them. Doesn't mean they're going to win. 2017 still existed and 100-yard touchdowns are possible, but I just think I, there's a real gulf to me between the very cream of the East Division and you know the third-place team in the West Division. I just think BC, Calgary, and Winnipeg are, are just much better, even, even as currently constituted with all their injuries. I think any of those teams should be massive favorites in a great cup with
0: East versus West. Had to bring up 2017, didn't you? I had to bring well, up 2017 was, Grey Cup I,
2: can I tell a story <laughs> for the 2017 that's, I what, that's why we're here for Sports Center. Uh, it was like 25 reasons Calgary win the Grey Cup and two reasons they won't <laughs> obviously they don't win because uh, Javier Posey 100 yard touchdown
0: wilder, Ray, thrill, he's going to go to
2: And Kamar Jordan fumbled, not, yeah, Kamar yep. fumbled, turned into a 100-yard defensive touchdown. Four receivers to the near side. Big defensive. mess Look out. I was you talking know. to Steve Walsh, who was the, uh, one of the coaches on that team. And he was on my radio show at the time. And he said, uh, oh, we were the better team in 2017. I said, coach, do you really think you were the better team than the Calgary <laughs> Sam Peters that year? He's like, I'm like, come on now. You guys were like nine and nine. And he, dro- he dropped the line on me I'll never forget. He said, there is no asterisk on my diamond-crusted ring.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, just, I just about – I absolutely <laughs> lost it because that was the best line ever because – it for one game. It doesn't matter who's the best team, who's the better team. It just matters who has more points when it's all over.
0: Yeah, you're right. That one, that one stung in Calgary. There's no doubt about it. But you guys bring up a great point when it comes to rolling into the playoffs. We've seen it before. We've seen teams under 500 in the regular season, but play well down the stretch and make their way into the playoffs, and somehow you'll know, become the team to beat and, and, and win the whole thing. You know, we saw it in Calgary, we've seen it in BC. Um, it's it's something that can be done in the league, and, you know, we'll see if it does happen this year. But, uh, yeah, the, the Alouettes seem to be rolling right now. We get into our last matchup, and that's the Calgary Stampeders and BC Lions because the Stamps do still have a shot at second place in a home playoff date in the West Semi. Look, guys, the Stamps—they've talked talked about wanting to win the home playoff date. Obviously, that is their goal. But like I just mentioned, I think the biggest key for them—and and what Dave Dickinson has said here in Calgary—is they just want to be playing solid football down the stretch. Uh, last year, the Stamps were two and five. The team needed to go on what he called a mini heater. I think they've done that. I need to think they—they uh, they need to continue to do that. Um, they've won four of their last five. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, But what I'll be honest, guys, what what I'm most intrigued by, if things are settled by the last week of the year, Dave Bolivie Mitchell gets an early audition for the Saskatchewan Riders in the final week of the season.
1: (laughs) Could happen. Could happen. happen. (laughs) And and watch Jeremy O'Day just just on all over (laughs) his potential future (laughs) quarterback. You know, yeah, yeah. Would that be a storyline? Yeah, I, I can't see Calgary not finishing second. I mean, you know, the Lions are – I think they're, they're starting to tread water a little bit more with Vernon Adams, a quarterback. But I, I just don't think it's going to be enough for the Lions to, to finish second, even though they, they do have a chance. So um, I, I put my trust in, in the Calgary Stampeders in, in that department. They're playing some good football. Um, uh Maybe slightly better than the Alouettes, although I still I still. There's something about the Alouettes that I really like too. So, um, but you know, I think I think you know Jake Bayar is playing really really well at a high level. I think you know the, the thing that scares me about uh, Calgary's defense or concerns me the most from a Calgary's perspective is their secondary. Um, they give up a lot mm. still, um, but their front seven is still pretty good. I mean, Sean Lemon has old manpower and uh, you know he's he's <laughs> playing so well, and that that unit is playing so well. Um, but, you know, BC, I, you know, I will say, and, and, you know, opponent matters as well, especially in, in this league. But, you know, you're, they're not playing against air. It was a good performance against the against the Red Blacks. So, you know, obviously they're going for their issues. But, uh, you know, I, I just can't see BC doing enough to overtake Calgary right now.
0: Derek, uh, you obviously will see BC uh, twice down the stretch here. So So what do you think?
2: Oh, I, I, in a one game, it's Calgary to me. I, I think I think they've got it nailed. Calgary is really good. Like, yeah, I just, again, finished up that game with Calgary. Johnson Moxie was just blanketing receivers on the boundary side. You go, okay. Tremaine Washington is an incredible man cover guy. You go, okay, well, that's good, too. And that defensive front, like, my goodness. Uh, Arimolane and Lemon, just pressure and then sacks. And then, oh, by the way, Mike Rose is, is just a beast. And then... Oh, Terrell McClain looks like a guy who could lift a house if he wanted to. Like, they have an incredible rotation up front. They're linebackers. Thurman and Judge, both guys having great years. Calgary's defense is is absolutely for real. And they've settled into the offense that that they've wanted to be all season long with here's here's Jake and let's take what we can get and we'll occasionally push it downfield with Malik Henry and company. But – We'll get some contributions from Luther Cabano, and we'll focus on getting Reggie Bagel for the ball. And then, oh, by the way, Carey Carey's having one of the truly great rushing seasons that we've seen in the last decade. So so let's get on this. To me, Calgary is superior to B.C. Uh, Injuries are hampering B.C., obviously. Uh, Vernon Adams is capable of high highs, but his floor is quite low. Uh, in my books, uh, so he's going to be a problem when Calgary decides that they want to try to to fool him with this or that. He's going to throw some picks in the West semifinal and you know determine what that game's all about. I, I, I yeah, I think Calgary is is far superior, uh, and I kind of don't know how BC with their current injury states. If Boom Guatim isn't healthy, that's a real problem because Woody Baron and Steve Richardson being back in there would be. An incredible ad, but yeah, I just don't see. I, I kind of am curious to see how Winnipeg gets past Calgary in a West final, much less much less how how BC would potentially do it in a in a West semifinal. Uh, so yeah, if if I'm BC, I need to I need to have that game at home because to me in Calgary, they just got no shots.
0: Well, and and one of the things that's kind of going Calgary's way right now is they're expecting to to get some players back down the stretch, Titus Wall being one of them, who was, uh, you know, just fantastic at that linebacker position and, you know, was having a a rookie of the year type season before he went down. I think they expect him to come off the sixth game at some point over the next couple weeks. Uh, You got guys like Deontay Ruffin, who he's not even hurt right now. He was just not playing last week. He's had a, a solid season, but with all these DBs coming back for the Stamps, it gives them uh, an opportunity to maybe put out an even better defense than they've had the last couple of weeks so uh, it's going to be fun boys it's going to be a, a heck of a, a heck of a race down the last four weeks here um, you know I, of course it's recency bias but I, I can't seem to remember uh, a year where we had three or, or four solid uh, races coming down to uh, the, the final three four weeks of the year so it's going to be exciting there's no doubt about that uh, what can, do
2: you... I, can I tell one thing about the BC Lions
0: absolutely DT
2: uh and, and, and feel free to, to drop in on this at the end uh it, bc chased kenny lawler pretty hard i mean, a lot of teams did bc chased kenny lawler pretty hard in free agency if they signed kenny lawler i'm 100 convinced they would have cut dominic rhymes and dominic rhymes is the leading <laughs> receiver in the canadian football league Can we just to how unbelievable dominic rhymes has been this season with with the incredible deep ball catches in that bc offense like for a guy who I'm, I'm 100% convinced he would have been cut because there's only so many Americans in Lana Loma. And he's the leading receiver in the league. My goodness, what a year it's been for him.
0: <laughs> yeah, he, I, he, I talked to him after the game where they beat uh, Calgary in overtime here. And he was so humble about it, too. He's the type of guy you want. All he cared about was, hey, we just want to win the games. We just want to pile up wins. We want that home playoff date. And I'll be saying, guys, as a sideline reporter, if they decide to go to BC, if Calgary doesn't catch BC, it's not going to bother me a hundred. You know, hundred uh, percent. There'll be a little part of me that's happy I'm not standing in in the in the McMahon, McMahon Stadium sideline <laughs> for for a playoff game in November. Obviously, I want the Stabs to do well covering the team, but uh, if they go to BC and I'm in the cozy confines of the chorus uh, studio here in Calgary, it's not going to be the worst thing ever for me. I'll, I'll say that right now.
1: Okay, we won't tell no, her. I like that. Okay, <laughs> we won't, we'll, we'll make sure that John Hufnagel never hears this yeah, part yeah. Of
0: the podcast. I don't think uh, Huff's a, a big podcast guy. I'll have to ask him next time uh, he's made available to the media. Uh, one last question for you, fellas, and, and Derek. I'm, I'm stealing this from the bombers because uh, it was a question they asked on social media yesterday. Uh, it's Thanksgiving weekend, obviously. If you got to have one food item on that table for this Thanksgiving dinner this weekend, what is it?
2: Oh, it's just stuffing. Stuffing in a sandwich, stuffing on the side, stuffing under gravy, stuffing under glass,
1: stuffing in a shake. It's, I'm, I'm stuffing. I'm <laughs> so t- the more stone so chopped, the better in my mind.
0: I'm with you, pal.
1: Dave? I, I love my wife's stuffing. I just, I don't like sharing with the rest of the family. And I actually watch <laughs> how, much, how much stuffing my other family members take. Uh, and I really have to adjust it. So, you know, it can affect my mood because uh, my wife's
0: stuffing is, uh, is to die for. Uh, I'll, I'll be fair to you, fellas, uh, or I'll be honest with you here. My mom actually has to make two things of stuffing, the stuffing that goes in the turkey, and then she makes an entire other dish of it. Oh, wow. Just because I'll eat that much stuffing on Thanksgiving. So a, a, great, way to wow. end, a great way to end, fellas, a, a consensus on the stuffing on the table at Thanksgiving. <laughs> I couldn't agree more
1: and I can't wait for these teams in the playoff races to beat the stuffing out of each other yeah. so it'll, be, it'll be
0: great there Boom. you go there you go uh DT Dave Campbell thanks so much uh, for uh for doing this this week and uh we'll chat soon and and uh hopefully we get some uh, great games this weekend That does it for another episode of Football North. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the stretch drive. Jock Wilson will be back next week. Of course, if you have any ideas for the podcast, feel free to reach out to Jock by emailing him at jock at am770chqr.com.